Hello and welcome to another edition of the Homeschool Education Supplement that we know as Interesting Stuff. And today we are going to dive deep into the anatomy of a virus. Okay, so we've all seen what's going on in the world. There's a lot of information out there following the recent pandemic. And it's a bit hard to trawl through all of the different pages and the research and, you know, to get to the bottom of everything that's going on. And I think a good place to start is just looking simply at what is a virus. Well, the first virus ever discovered was a plant-infecting tobacco virus identified way back in 1892. But that doesn't tell us what it is, so we're going to dive in to look at all the different types and kinds of viruses that we know about. And we need to begin by recognizing that viruses are the tiniest biological replicators on the planet, roughly a hundred times smaller than bacteria. And they're made from a small strand of genetic code and covered with a tiny protein shell. They can't live on their own. In fact, scientists aren't even sure whether they're even alive at all. And so this really much is a topic of debate amongst the scientists, because viruses do not fit perfectly into our definitions of life, and yet they have some life-like characteristics. For those that want to suggest that they are alive, well, viruses use the same molecular building blocks as other living organisms, RNA, DNA, and protein. Viruses evolve and have complex changes to their genetics to adapt to their unique environments. And lots of other parasitic organisms depend on others for survival and cannot exist on their own. Meanwhile, in the other camp, for the scientists who believe that they're not alive, viruses have a protective protein coat, but they do not have a membrane and are not cells. Viruses don't use any energy when they're floating between cells. They simply exist. And viruses cannot copy their own genetic code. They need living cells to do it for them. And so there are two sides. And depending upon how you study and what you know, you're going to have to pick one of them. But moving forward, the cells of living organisms have their own molecular production lines. They make temporary copies of their genes and pump them through molecular machines called ribosomes. These read the genetic code and use it as a template to assemble proteins. The simplest living organisms need between 150 and 300 genes to make all the proteins they need to survive. But viruses get by on as few as four genes. They simply hijack other cells and turn them into virus factories. Something like a miniature mafia that uh, gets other people to do all the hard work for them. Now viruses are clever. They make up for their genetic shortfall by borrowing from the cells they infect. Viruses don't have their own ribosomes, so they feed their genetic code into the machines of other organisms, taking over the whole production line. 
the infected cell stops making its own proteins and starts reading virus code and assembling virus proteins instead. The core of a virus is its genetic code, which is stored in the same strings of biological letters used by living organisms. Some viruses have two strands of DNA, just like us, and others get by with just one strand, and some carry their genes as RNA. This molecule is like DNA, but with a different chemical letter, and it's used by living cells to make temporary copies of genes. Some viruses also carry the code to make an enzyme called reverse transcriptase, which allows them to convert RNA into DNA inside a living cell. And so as you might come to understand, there's a hell of a lot going on in these tiny organisms. Now, genetic information is fragile. So to move from one cell to the next, viruses need a way to protect their code. Some of the most important genes that we have provide the instructions to build proteins that make a protective coat called a capsid. The capsid proteins form repeating structures that lock together to make a 3D shape. The crystal-like pattern means that viruses only need a few genes to make a complete shield. So-called icosahedral capsids, for example, often contain small triangles made from just three proteins. These triangles slot together to make a 20-sided ball that covers the viral genome. The infectious packages of capsid and genetic code can survive outside of cells, but they can't replicate on their own. Known as virions, these virus particles need to get back into cells to continue their life cycle. They do this by attaching to molecules on the cell surface. And so the proteins on the outside of the capsid interact with proteins on the outside of the cell. This attachment may change the shape of the virion itself, allowing the particle to fuse with the cell membrane. Alternatively, it might trick the cell into pulling the virus into the membrane-covered sphere known as the endosome. Once inside, enzymes carried by the virion or from the cell itself, break down what's left of the capsid, releasing the genetic code into the cell. The viral genome then enters the cell's production line and quickly begins manufacturing three main types of proteins. The first of these proteins are enzymes that enable the virus to construct more copies of its own genes. The second are proteins that interfere with the cell's normal manufacturing process. And the third type are the structural proteins that work to build new virus particles. When the new virus particles are complete, the virus needs a way to release them to infect more cells. Lictic viruses simply burst out, releasing all their virions in one huge pop and killing the cell in the process. Lysogenic viruses release new virions one by one, allowing the host cell to survive and reproduce. Some viruses even stitch their genetic code into the code of their host, so that every time the cell divides, the new cells also get a copy of the viral genes. 
This allows viruses to remain inside cells for a long time, staying dormant and then reactivating later, a property known as latency. Altogether, it reminds me of some kind of system of espionage. But anyway, cells do attempt to defend themselves from this type of attack. They destroy loose genetic code and send signals to the immune system to let it know about the infection. But viruses have evolved ways to evade these defenses. In the process, some have gained characteristics that harm their hosts, a property known as virulence. Many viruses cause disease, diverting healthy cells away from their normal activities. The type of damage a cell does depends on the cells it infects, the way it interferes with molecular machines, and the way it releases new virions. Some of the most serious problems arise when viruses infect immune cells, preventing the body from fighting back. Examples of this include Ebola, Marburg, and HIV, which all harm the immune system. Surprisingly, however, viruses aren't all bad. Infections help to shape the way our bodies work. Studies of the human genome have revealed that around 8% of our genetic code actually come from viruses. Known as human endogenous retroviruses, or HERVS, they are easy to spot because they still carry the remnants of three viral genes, GAG, POL, and ENV. These genes belong to retroviruses which stitch their genetic code into the genome of their host. Retroviruses leave a permanent mark on DNA, and the results of ancient infections have been passed from parent to child for thousands of years. Evolution has gradually changed the sequence of these leftover viral genes, making them unable to produce new virions. Our bodies often have found new uses for all of the codes left behind. Our bodies can change and adapt the codes to make new proteins that help diffuse cell membranes together to form things like placenta. In fact, without the leftovers of ancient viral infections, we probably wouldn't be here today. In fact, viruses that contain tiny packets of genetic code are perhaps the most successful parasites in the world. They are successful because they specialize in getting past cellular defenses to deliver genetic information into cells, but in nature they often contain genes that cause disease. However, if we strip out these damaging stretches of code, we could use the outer virus packaging as a way to deliver useful genes to damaged cells. This is the idea behind viral vectors. The first step requires scientists to delete the parts of the viral genome that allow viruses to make copies of themselves. Then they add the code for different genes, just like programming on a computer. And then when the modified virus infects a cell, it carries these new genes with it. The most commonly used viruses for vector science are adrenoviruses and retroviruses. Adrenoviruses have a DNA-based genome and temporarily infect mammalian cells. The cells make viral proteins for a short time and then they just go back to normal. 
Retroviruses are RNA-based and insert their genetic code into the genome of the cells they infect. This permanently changes the DNA of the cell, making it produce viral proteins forever. In the lab, viral vectors allow scientists to find out what happens when cells gain the ability to make different proteins. Outside of the lab, viral vectors have the potential to fix broken genes by delivering fresh genetic code to human cells. However, the technology may be dangerous because it's hard to control exactly where the cell puts the new genes. But as always, research is ongoing to find out if we can safely use viruses for gene therapy and improve the human condition. And so, you know what? It's not all bad. And, uh, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of the uh, poison to find a little bit of the cure. And as science moves forward, let's hope that the scientists can make even more discoveries that help us to improve everybody's health. So that's it for today. I hope there was something new and something interesting in there. As always, under the video, there will be some questions to help you refresh your comprehension. And if you'd like a different topic, just drop me a line and let me know. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, I wish you a fantastic day. Stay safe, take care, and have a fantastic day. Speak to you soon.